Hi, I'm Phil Valdez, the lead pastor of Passion Life Church here in Marietta, California. I just wanted to take a moment and thank you for listening to these messages that are coming out of our church. If these messages have impacted your life, we'd love to hear from you. You could send us an email at contact at passionlifechurch.com. That's contact at passionlifechurch.com. Again, thanks for listening. Well, welcome to part four of a series that we've entitled, This is the Victory. And we've been focusing on faith. We've been focusing on what is faith? How is it developed? How to use our faith? And let's look at our theme scripture for this series. It's 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. It says, for everyone born of God. How many people do we have in the house that are born? of God. Let me see your hands. Jesus is on the inside of you. That's how you become born of God. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Even our, come on, shout it out. Even our what? Come on, can you say it a little bit louder? Even our even our faith. I think one of the biggest misconceptions of Christianity in, in, in general is that when we receive Jesus and we become born of God, that life is just going to become a tiptoe through the tulips. Come on, follow the yellow brick road. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I think people think that all of a sudden as you become a Christian that everything is just going to go good. Well, I got some news for you today. First John 5, 4 tells us that this is the victory and that we are going to have to overcome the world with our faith. So if we're going to have to overcome the world with our faith, that means that there are going to be challenges. Anybody experience any challenges in life? There's going to be situations that come. There's going to be circumstances that come that we are going to have to overcome. But here's the good news. As a child of God, you are empowered to overcome. You are empowered to overcome. Come. And the Bible says that we can overcome the world. How many of you figured out that the world and life is just not fair? Anybody figure that out? It's just not fair. And sometimes situations happen in our life because of other people's choices. Sometimes situations happen in our life because of our own bad choices. Other times it's just because we're in a fallen world. And you may be here today and, you know, there's some things that aren't going the way you thought. You know, there's your marriage is just not where you feel like it needs to be. Or somebody did hurt you. Somebody really hurt you. And, and, uh, and maybe... It, some of us, you know, we just, we just get depressed from time to time. Or maybe you went out and, you know, you served our country and then you came back and now you have PTSD. There's all of these different things. And I think what happens is we can just be taught that, you know, we just need to cope with this. You know, we just kind of need to tolerate this. Can I just tell you, the Bible says that we don't just have to cope or tolerate, that we can overcome these things in Jesus' name. You know, Pastor Phil, are you saying that I can overcome depression? I am saying that through faith, you can overcome depression. Am I saying, Pastor Phil, are you saying that I can be healed of PTSD? I am saying that through faith in God, you can overcome these things in Jesus' name. But the Bible says it's all through faith. 
And as a child of God, we are empowered. And here's what we've discovered so far in this series. We've discovered that God has given all of us a measure of faith. Turn to your neighbor just real quick and say, you have faith. You have faith. God has given all of us a measure of faith. You have faith. And here's what we also we have discovered. We have discovered that faith is a law. It's not a theory. I think this is important. I think this is important to tell our kids because our kids are going to learn a lot in school about theory. But we do not want to build our life on a theory. And here's the cool thing. The Bible says that faith is a law. Why is that important? Because laws can work for anyone. The law of gravity doesn't change. And the law of gravity respects everyone. I didn't get up this morning wondering if the law of gravity was going to be in effect. I just got up. The same with faith. Faith is a law. We've discovered that without faith, we can't please God. God is moved by faith. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. Or you could say it this way, the just by their faith shall live. How do we live justly? By faith. And it should be a lifestyle. You know, God doesn't want us just to have little spurts of faith. You know, he wants us to have a lifestyle of faith. And here's what that means. That we're supposed to walk by our faith and not by our sight. You know, and I can tell when people get, are, getting, are walking by sight. You know how I can tell? They start getting real discouraged. They start getting real depressed. They look at the state of the world, you know, and they just go, wow, look at what's happening. But you know what? If you just go by what you see in the physical realm, you are going to get down. You're going to get depressed. But God calls us to a greater sight, and that is a sight, a spiritual sight that comes from faith that we can overcome. And so this morning, if you have your Bibles, I want to talk about overcoming in the storm. Let's turn to Mark chapter 4, verse 35. This is part 4. We have two more messages, and I have saved the best for the last two. And I want to thank you guys for so much. I've received texts and just in the lobby of church last couple weeks, people just say, man, I really enjoy the messages. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, that tells me that we're hitting the mark. But you know what? We're not all the way there yet because we're going to talk about faith and its true expression. We're also going to talk about faith and its partner that it has that works together. And I'm going to set you up today for the next two messages. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Overcoming in the storms of life. The Bible says that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, who is he? Jesus. He said to his disciples, let's go to the other side. One translation says this, let's cross over to the other side. My church family, can I encourage you that it is time for you now to go to the other side. God has more for your life than what you see. It's time for you to cross over. And now some of you are like, well, you know what? I don't know if my life could get any better. Well, you better stop doubting because God can give you a life that you can't even think about or imagine. He can do way more. If you think life is great, you can still go to the other side. How many of you know life can still get better? But it's time to go to the other side. It's time for our church to go to the other side. And he said in verse 36, though, Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was. Can I just give you a little snidbit real quick? Sometimes when we go to the other side, I would say almost all the time, you're going to have to leave the crowd behind because not everybody wants to go to the next level. 
I have found, I thought people wanted to grow. I thought people wanted to go to the next level, but unfortunately they didn't. They talked about going to the other side, but here it says in verse 36 that Jesus said, we're going to the other side, but they had to leave the crowd behind. That's a good word this morning. Leaving the crowd behind, they took uh, with him in the boat. And then it says, it says there were also other boats with him. Verse 37, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion and the disciples woke him and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said, everybody say that with me, and said, and so, and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. One translation says, peace, be still. Then the wave, the waves, the, then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the waves obey him. If we were honest today, we've all been through storms in life. Anybody been through a storm in life? You may be in a storm right now. It can be a relational storm. It can be a physical storm. There can be a lot of storms. You may be in facing something spiritually. And I came to tell you, even as a pastor, I have I have experienced storms. But here's the reality when it comes to different storms in our life. It's not like you can turn on the news and a newscaster is going to tell you, hey, on Tuesday, your company is going to have a whole bunch of layoffs. It doesn't happen that way. We're not informed about sort of most of the time when storms hit our life, it's unbeknownst to us. We're just going through life. We think everything's good. And then all of a sudden, boom, something's going on in the marriage, in our marriage. It, something went off. Something happened. Boom. It was just, whoa, where, where did that come from? All of a sudden, boom, something happens at work. And now we're in a storm. Or all of a sudden, boom, an appliance and your house goes out. And you're like, we just got that thing like two years ago and it goes out and you're like, oh man, we weren't planning on this. You know, storms come. And one of the things when storms come, I think we ask ourselves, well, why? I mean, why, why do these storms come? And we'll say, you know, God, why? Why God? Why now? I mean, really right now, this week, God, didn't you know, like I had a lot going on this week? I mean, there was a lot going, God, what, 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 what's happening? And here's what I want to do in today's message. I want to give us four lessons from the storm that we can learn from this scripture. Now, I really believe in taking notes. And you may be, man, the water in your life is calm. There's no storm happening right now. But let me just tell you, because I know that we live in a fallen world, storms come. Come on, somebody. And so you may not need this right now, but you know what? You may need it tomorrow because tomorrow's Monday. And you know what? Not only that, you may have a friend who's going through a storm, so maybe you can help them. But let's look at some lessons from the store, four in particular. Here's number one. When you're in a storm, when we're in the storm, we're in the storm, but we're in the storm with his presence. You know, let's not forget Jesus was in the boat. 
Jesus was in the boat when he said, let's go to the other side. And I just want to encourage you, no matter what's happening in your life right now, God has not abandoned you. Jesus is in your boat. If you are a child of God, he resides in you. But I think here's what a lot of people think. A lot of people are like, well, hold on. Well, wait a minute. If Jesus is in the boat, then I shouldn't be in a storm. If Jesus is in my boat, everything, Pastor Phil, should be smooth sailing for the rest of my life. Not true. Can I just remind you of some scriptures that Jesus said? Jesus said in John 16, he says, in this world. How many of you are in this world? Let me see. Make sure you're here, right? No aliens here this morning. We're all here in this world. In this world, you will have what? Trouble. So in the world, we have trouble. But take heart because I have overcome the world. So we are going to see trouble. John 17, 15, he says this, here's my prayer. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Jesus said this in John chapter 15, verse 20, John chapter 14, verse 27. He said this, peace I leave with you, my peace. So in this world where we have trouble, we have Jesus's very own peace. He says, my peace I leave with you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So Jesus gives me his very own peace. And can I just give you an infomercial for the next two lessons? And this is the victory. What you're going to find is that not only does Jesus give us his peace, but what you're going to find out is that Jesus has actually given us the measure of faith, which is God's faith. You and I don't just have some faith. You and I have the God kind of faith. And so he leaves us in this troubled world with peace. He lives, leaves us in this troubled world with the empowerment of faith to be able to overcome. But here's what he tells us. You're going to have to guard your heart. You're going to have to not let all the stuff that's happening on the outside get on the inside. Because if you do, you're going to get discouraged. And as a matter of fact, I don't know how many of you have found this out. But actually, even the moment you gave your life to the Lord, the moment you stepped out of darkness into the light of God, the forces of darkness all come and they try to bring a storm to your life. They try to drag you into that pit of despair. Has anybody been there? Living as a Christian, I, I think it's funny. and I like to discuss with people when they say Christianity is for weak people. I say, oh, really? Great. Try loving your neighbor. Oh, that's easy. Okay, great. That's easy for you. Try loving your enemies. If Christianity is for weak people, the Bible says that we're supposed to love our enemies. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not easy. That's not easy when you're on the 15 and people are cutting you off. You're like, bless you. Turn the other cheek. Christianity is for weak people. What do you believe? I don't know, this is the hardest thing. I can't even live the Christian life without Jesus. Because every once in a while, don't tell anybody, but I get in the flesh too. 
Every once in a while, I get upset. Every once in a while, I can make a bad decision. Why? Because it's without him, I can't live this life. But you know what I have found? When I wasn't living for God, things were a little more smooth sailing. You know why? Because I was walking hand in hand with the devil. And as soon as I turned around and started walking the other way, do you think that he's just going to let you go like that and say, bye, see you later? No, you know what? He wants to take you back with him. And so sometimes we need to hear that because we're going to be persecuted for doing the right thing. But here's what you need to remember in the storm. When things are coming against you, you are not alone. Jesus is in your boat. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 5, he said he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. But watch this. Jesus will never abandon you, but it is the enemy's entire focus for you to abandon Jesus in the storm. And here's where many people struggle. Jesus has not abandoned them, but they have abandoned Jesus. I'm amazed how many people in 20-something years of ministry, when I talk with them and I ask them, hey, I haven't seen you at church. I haven't seen you. What's going on? Well, I got a lot going on in my life, and I'm going through something. Well, don't you think you need to wrap your arms around Jesus, who is the anchor of our lives, instead of blowing him off? Unless you just want to walk around and complain to everybody. But, you know, I have found church isn't just for perfect people or when things are going right. Church is for when things are going wrong. And I want to tell you here at Passion Life Church, it's okay not to be okay. But you need to know something. God has not abandoned you. God has not left the boat. God, listen, but we need to understand something. God has never promised that the storm wouldn't rock your world. He just promised you that the storm wouldn't sink you. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah that the waters, you'll see the waters rise, but here's the deal. They won't overflow you. We live in a fallen world, but you have what it takes to overcome. And so when you're in the storm, let me remind you, you're in the storm with his presence. Can I hear a good amen, somebody? Here's number two. And when you're in the storm, we're in the storm for his purpose. What does that mean? Well, not all storms in our life are spiritual. Some of the storms in our life come from bad decisions that we've made. Some storms in our life are self-inflicted. To be honest with you, we need to be real. Not everything's the devil. Sometimes it's you. The pastor just said, yeah, I'm telling you in love. Because some people are like, oh, I'm going through and I'm being attacked. No, you're just making bad decisions. I still love you. But I got to tell you in love that sometimes the thing would turn around if you would start seeking some counsel and get some godly wisdom from the presence that's with you. The Bible says if you need wisdom, just ask. God gives it to you liberally. So some storms we cause. Some storms in our life are caused by other people. And there are storms that are caused by the devil. You need to know that. And what we need to understand is the reason that Jesus in this story was going to the other side. Because on the other side was a man that Jesus was going to minister to. There was a man who, had, who was demon-possessed. And what's interesting I found about Jesus is he'll get in a boat with the disciples to go over to minister to one person. 
He'll go over and cross a lake to go see somebody and help somebody. And he will do the same for you. But the reason why this storm erupted for them was because, listen, they weren't doing something wrong. They were doing something right. And a lot of times storms can come in our life because we're standing up for what is right. Let me just help you. When you are living for God's purposes, storms will come. Look at the life of Paul. My goodness, preaching the gospel. You think, man, that would just be great. He went through so many things. And you know what? The reality is many storms come because we're doing something right. Hopefully this will bring some perspective. Because I said in the beginning of the message, I think sometimes we think as Christians that, you know, life is just going to be a trip through the tulips. But, you know, the Bible actually talks about in, John, in Matthew chapter 5 that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. In other words, we're not in a different world than other people. We're in the world, but we're from another world. We're in the world, but we're not of this world. And listen, in Matthew chapter 7, it says the rain will fall, and we know it falls on the just and the unjust. But what's the difference? The people who build their life on the word, hear the word, and do the word, have a foundation. They will outlast the storm. And so God, if you will follow what he says, you can overcome. But I just think we need to understand that the storm's coming and it falls and the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And so the, this idea that, uh, you know, well, Pastor Phil, well, I'm, I'm a Christian. Yeah, you are a Christian, but you need to know hell hates you. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy not to show up your house and knock on the door in a red jumpsuit with horns and a pitchfork and say, hi, I'm the devil. Can I poke you in the booty? Hi, I'm the devil. You want to come with me to hell? That's not what he does. He'll deceive. He wants to kill from you, steal your dreams, steal your life, and destroy it. But here's the question I have. The question is, whose idea was it to get in the boat to get in the middle of this sea that day at that time, it was Jesus's idea. And because he knew that there was somebody that was waiting on the other side. And can I just tell you, as we go to the other side, as you go to the next level in your life, and here's one of the reasons why we go to the next level, we should be growing, but we should be growing going faith to faith, not just for us, but there are people that are waiting on the other side for you to arrive, for you to minister to for you to help. And Jesus was in the boat going to help people and that's when the storm erupted. And here's the fact, they were in the storm because they were in God's will. I wanna say that again. They were in the storm because they were in God's will. Notice what I did not say. I did not say that God caused the storm. I said because doing what they were doing for God caused a storm because the enemy was not happy. And we need to know that. We need to know that. But here's what I found out about storms. Storms will reveal your level of faith. They'll reveal your level of faith. Look at the disciples. The disciples are like, man, they're going crazy. They're like, Jesus, listen to what they say to Jesus. Jesus, don't you care, like, if we drowned? Don't you care? 
Wow, that's, that's an interesting perspective from guys who saw Jesus do miracles, who loved Jesus, gave up their life for Jesus. Now one storm comes along and they're freaking out and they don't even think Jesus cares about them. And you know what I have found with us sometimes? We can be the same way. God has done everything he could to save you, to heal you, to forgive you. And then the refrigerator breaks down and we're like, Jesus, don't you care? My cubes ain't coming out. Lord, don't you know I need some ice? It's hot out here. And all of a sudden, Jesus isn't real because the refrigerator stopped working. Come on, somebody. Am I being too real this morning? Okay. Don't not amen me because I'm talking about you. Come on, you know what I'm saying? I mean, this is kind of what we do. I, I do it sometimes too. Something happens and all of a sudden it's like, where's, where's God? You know what? He's right in your boat. And let me just say this. Every time you try to do something well and you do things in his will, there will be opposition. And here's what that opposition is going to reveal. That opposition is going to reveal where your faith is. And I love this. In the message translation, it's a, just a Bible paraphrase translation. It's just kind of real English. In James chapter 1, verse 2, it says this in the message. It says, count it a sheer gift, friend. When tests and challenges come at you from all sides, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced to open and show its true colors. I see your true colors shining through. Man, that refrigerator book. I see your true colors, and that's why I love you. So don't be afraid to let them show true colors shining through. So your refrigerator breaks down. You know what it just did? It revealed your faith. Can I just tell you, if your, your heavenly father gave you a job, your heavenly father can give you a new refrigerator. that actually produces good ice cubes. If your heavenly father can give you a house, then he can give you the money to repair the house that he gave you. But what happens in those moments, our faith is revealed. And we're gonna learn in this series, faith has a partner. So when it doesn't seem like things are happening, James is gonna tell us something else is gonna happen. So not only do we have faith, but there's another force that starts to work when faith, it seems like faith is lagging, when it seems like things aren't happening. You have that other force already inside of you that will work with your faith. But here's the reality. God wants our faith to be well developed. He wants us to be able to use our faith. Now, here's another misconception. Oh, Pastor Phil, I just need more faith. I need more faith. You don't need more faith. Here's what you need. You need to develop the faith that you already have. Jesus said, if you have a mustard seed of faith. Mustard seeds are probably one of the smallest seeds you will ever see. He said even a mustard seed would actually move mountains. If you would use a mustard seed of faith, it would move mountains in your life. It's just like going to the gym. I've heard people say they work out and all of a sudden they start to see their muscles and they're like, I got all new muscles. You didn't get all new muscles. You just developed the muscles you already had. So you already have the muscles, but here's what happens. The developing of the muscle, listen, helps the muscle to what? Grow, right? Your muscle was the size of a grape. Now it's the size of a grapefruit. Come on, somebody. 
Why? Because you have developed them. How are they developed? They're developed in resistance. That's why we pick up weights, right? And we work out. And so when we start to exercise, if you've ever done this, when you first start, it's real uncomfortable. You know, this week we were putting up some stuff in our apartment. And uh, again, I'm just not this handyman. I'm not a handyman, but I am a handyman. And here's how I figured out I'm a handyman. I can hand the wrench to the guy who's going to set it up. Come on, somebody. So I'm still a handy man in some ways, but I'm just not that kind of guy. Like I was trying to, I had to read the directions on the drill this, you know, this week. I was like, okay. And then I'm trying to put this screw in the wall. My wife's like, what's going on? I'm like, hey, I don't know. It's just not working. And then I figured out I had it on the wrong way. So I was actually extracting the screw instead of putting it in the wall. So that's why it wasn't going in the wall. And so, but this, this, this drill was a little bit heavy. I mean, it's good size and I'm trying to put it in the wall, but my muscles weren't developed. So like my, I'm like, I'm like shaking as I'm trying to put in the screw and my wife comes in. She's like, how you doing? I'm like, I'm doing good. Oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're working on it. Sing a little bit. Give me some time. And I'm trying to screw the thing in the wall. My, and my muscles are going like this because the drill's kind of heavy, right? And, and what is that? Do I have the muscles? I do. God gave me muscles. But what is the challenge here? The challenge is here is that my muscles are not developed to do this. And you know what? The more I did it, I started doing it. And I was like, honey, look, it's doing, doing good. Come on in. And then I woke up the next day and my whole arm sore. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? And why is my arm sore? Listen, because the day before it was uncomfortable. And see, this is what happens with our faith. You have faith, but the only way, listen, the only way our faith grows is by using it. And when we use our faith, it starts to develop and it starts to grow, right? And now as I lift weights and I go to exercise, even when I exercise, I'm always concerned because now when I'm exercising, I'm trying to do more reps than just, you know, just a lot of weights. I see those guys in the, in the gym. They're like, I, I deadlift. Well, good. Deadlift all you want. And there are the ones always walking around like, oh, dude, my back's hurting. And well, that's, that's deadlift. Makes your body dead. Right. So I'm trying to like I want I want my muscles to get more cut and more. But my problem is, is I forget my reps. So I'm counting one, two, three with this arm. And then I'm like, did I do 14 with this or did I do 12 with this? Because I don't want to have one bicep that's bigger than the other. Like, man, he's got real bicep, big. But the right one is really big. But how are those developed? They're developed by picking up the weights. But when you first start, what happens? Sometimes even your muscles start to twitch. Why? Because it's very uncomfortable. But here's what happens, my church family. The more you use it, here's what happens. Not only do your muscles get developed, you get stronger. You get stronger. And our faith is the same way. Do you know every time that we have an opportunity today even to do the, the hurricane giving. This is an opportunity for you to develop the muscle of faith. Well, Pastor Phil, you know, I really kind of wasn't giving on, you know, planning on giving for a hurricane. They weren't planning on the hurricane either. But you know what? We need to have some faith sometimes and say, you know what? I'm going to meet somebody else's need because when we do that, here's what's happening. We start to develop. Well, you know, I put this money aside for this. That's all right. Because when you give to God, he will give back to you. And when you do it, then you start doing it again. And you're like, God. 
God will take care of me. God will just take care of me. And you start to, what are you doing? You're developing the muscle of faith and it grows as you use it. Now, that's why in times in my life, when things are going crazy, it doesn't bother me anymore. You know why? Because I have faith. I have what it takes to overcome the world. How do I know it? Because I've used it. I've developed it. And God wants you to use your faith so it can be developed so you can be stronger. Come on, somebody. And so now the little storms that are coming, they don't even bother you. You used to freak out when there were a whole bunch of storms. Now you're just like, God will take care of it. No worry. I have faith in God. He's in my boat. His presence is here. And you know what? I'm going to continue to do what right, what's right because I'm in this storm for his purposes. And you know what? If you look at the Paul and what happened to Paul in Acts chapter 16, verse 16, you know what's interesting is that, man, him and him, him and Silas, his friend, man, they went through this personal storm. And you know what it was because? Because they did what was right. Because they, was, they were doing what's right. They actually helped a young lady get set free. And so the authorities falsely accused them. They beat them with rods. The entire crowd was ticked against Paul and Silas. They got thrown in jail. And not just the top part of the jail for the light criminals. They were thrown in the inner part of the prison where there was sewage. And they were sitting there. They were in a storm for doing what's right. And I think in those moments... Our typical response would be, God, maybe when we blame God, we blame family, we blame other people, we blame friends, we blame everybody, we pout, we cry, we question God, we get mad, we get depressed, and we explode on everybody else, and we say, God, you know what, why did this happen? It isn't fair. Lord, why did you call me to do this? Lord, I didn't expect this to happen in my life. I can't take it anymore. But let me just tell you, bad things happen even when you're doing what's right. But here's what I have found. I would rather bad things because it's going to happen either way because the rain falls on the just and the unjust. But being I I know the rain is going to fall, I want to be standing after the storm. And that is the difference. And you know what? Because Paul and Silas prayed for this girl, they were doing God's will. And Jesus even told us this. He said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, he said this, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Listen to this. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Listen, this is my favorite part of this verse. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you, guess what? They're going to persecute you. So just know when they're persecuting you, they're doing it, and you're in line with all of the other prophets who were doing right as well. And let me just add this. My church family, you will never, ever please everyone. Jesus was perfect, and they crucified him. Jesus did miracles. Jesus helped people, and they still hated him. They still persecuted him. But you know what? I want to be persecuted for doing righteousness. You know why? Because that's when people are seeing Jesus in me. Because Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. 
And see, I think what happens is in these times, in these storms, we start to tend to just kind of live a little selfishly. And you know what? Oh, well, I'm just going through a crisis. But I think Paul and Silas knew this. They knew this. Hey, we're in the storm with his presence. We're in the storm for his purpose. And here's what happened. In the storm, as they're shackled in a prison, they start to sing songs of praise unto God. They begin to magnify God, not their situation. They begin to sing. They begin to love on God. And guess what happens? The prison starts to shake. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. And so as he began to sing, Paul and Silas, they begin to sing aloud. The whole prison shook. And you know what happened? The Roman guard who was there he was about to leave and Paul's like, don't leave. Because in reality, if Paul and Silas had left, they would have taken his life. And you know what had ended up happening? The Roman soldier there, because of Paul and Silas's witness in the storm, he gave his life to Jesus. And the Bible says that guy, his whole household got saved. See, so many times in the storm, we're just thinking about us. We're just thinking about our little crisis. We're just thinking about what's going on. Can I just tell you, people are watching you in the storm. And here's a lot of times how people know if Jesus is real is when the storm comes, you're still standing. When the storm comes, you're still smiling. And people are like, how did you get through that? And it's an opportunity to tell them about this great God. Come on, somebody. Can I just say this? Even when you go through a storm, a lot of times in the storm, you can make rescues. You're the one. That's why a lifeguard will see these waves and see a person. They'll dive right into the storm. Why? To save somebody else. And the disciples are in a boat and there's a storm, but there's somebody waiting for them on the other side. And here's what I know. When you meet other people's needs in your storm, God will meet your needs. And here's how I think Paul and Silas thought as they were praising God. They probably thought, you know what? It's a far greater thing to make sure others get out of their eternal prison than for us to get out of our temporary prison. See, here's the reality. When you go through the storm, you have Jesus. When other people go through storms, they don't. And to be reminded that even in the storm, you could make a rescue. Here's number three. When you're in the storm, is this helpful today? When you're in the storm, you're in the storm with his presence. You're in the storm for his purposes, but you're in the storm with his promises. Jesus said, you are going to the other side. Come on, turn to your neighbor just real quick and say, you are going to the other side. Jesus told them, we're going to the other side. And I think the purpose and the value of having the Bible, God's written word, is to give us the firm foundation in the storms to stand on. And here's what you need to know on those simple words. The simple words, we're going to the other side. When Jesus speaks those words, there's not a storm that can stop you from going to the other side. Because Jesus gave you his word. Now, here's what we need to understand about Jesus' word. In Psalms chapter 138, verse 2, it says this. Jesus exalts his word, listen to this, above his name. His word above his name. Psalms 138, verse 2 says, For you have magnified your word above all your name. How many of you think his name 
is just amazing. God's name, the Bible says, is a strong tower. I mean, we could talk, I could do a seven-month series on his name and who he is. And he says, as powerful as my name is, I exalt my word above that. I love the way the, the New Living Translation says it, Psalm 138 too. It says, for your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. So let's just chat for the remaining time we have together. I've learned something about God. God says, if I don't keep my word, I am not who I say I am. In Jeremiah, the Bible talks about, he says, I watch over my word to perform it. So in the storm, if I tell you you're going to the other side, in the storm, if I tell you if you have faith you can overcome, you will overcome. Because I've exalted my word above my name. So see, because I know this about God, it's actually influenced how I speak. Have you ever met people who don't keep their word? Don't look at the person next to you. Have you ever met people who say, oh yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll be there. And they don't watch over their own word to perform their own word. Here's the reality. Can I just challenge you a little bit this morning? What if you had to watch over your word to perform it? Everything you said you had to do, you know what would happen? You would talk a lot less. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people who talk. And here's what Jesus says. If I say it and I don't do it, I'm not who I say that I am. See, if I say something to you, my church family, if I say something to friends, here's the reality. If I don't keep my word, then that means I am not who I say that I am and I have an integrity issue. God does not have an integrity issue. And you know, I think so so many times in relationships, even we're expecting people to be loyal. How can you expect people to be loyal if they can't even give you honesty? How can you expect people to be loyal if they just talk the whole time and they never, and here's, here's, I was telling somebody this, this, uh, this week, I was like, one of my goals for 2017 was to talk less. And they looked at me and said, that's, that's a pretty interesting goal. I said, it is because I'm constantly around people who talk too much. I am. They can tell me how they want their marriage to get better. They can tell me how they want to be better with God, but they don't show up to church. They don't show up to counseling. Their word means nothing to me. And I'm sitting there waiting for them. They told me they would be there to get help, but they don't show up. So we can talk all day. And you know what it is? It's a waste of your breath. Pastor Phil, why would you even say that? I say that today because some of us act like that and we take that perspective into God. We think that because we don't keep our word, that he doesn't keep his word. But the reality is, is that he keeps his word. And all of these 7,000 promises God has to keep if you will have faith. And in the middle of the storm, all is you need is to know you're going to the other side. Here, in the middle of the storm, you know what you need to know? That because you are born of God, you can overcome the world if you have faith. In the middle of the storm, you can have a foundation of his word. His word will never turn void. The Bible says the world will pass pass away, but his word, not one mark of this word will pass away. I think that's a pretty good investment plan. 
to build my life. And because now I know that when God says he has to do, then I, whatever I say, I have to do. So listen, if you, if you can't do it, don't say it. And stop giving fake promises to people. God says it and it shall come to pass. His word never returns void. Come on, somebody. So you have a promise. If you're in a storm, listen, get some of his promises. You're going to the other side. Have faith in that. Here's the last one for today. When you're in the storm, you're in the storm with his power. With his power. Look what Jesus did. I'm going to set you up for the next time we're together. Are you ready? I said, are you ready? Look how Jesus responded to the storm. Jesus is an example to us of what to do in the storm. So the disciples are freaking out. Don't you care? The Bible says he is asleep on a cushion. One translation actually says he's asleep on a pillow. You know that my pillow guy you see all the time? My pillow, why my pillow? Jesus had my pillow and he's sleeping in the storm. Can I just say this? Jesus is resting on what he said. He knew he was going to the other side. So how big the waves were didn't make a difference. He's going to rest in the promises that he made. And in the storm, we need to rest too. We need to rest. But here's what happens. The disciples open. They wake him up. And I want you to look at what Jesus did. Verse 39. He got up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves. Let me say that again. And said to the waves. What did he do? He said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely caught. Notice Jesus could have waved. He could have waved magic dust. Right? Could have. Right? Done a little Disney magic. He didn't do that. You know what he did? What did he do? He spoke to the waves. He spoke to the problem. He spoke to the issue. Why, why is this important? Because Jesus would later tell the disciples, listen, and tell you and me in, Matt, in Mark chapter 11, verse 22, he says this, have faith in God. And Jesus answered, truly I tell you, if anyone, what? Says to the mountain. Oh, he's talking about our words. Oh, our words have power now. His words are so powerful. Jesus is speaking to the waves. Our words, now he wants to use our words. He says to use your words and do what? Speak to the mountain. What is the mountain? The mountain is anything that stands between you and what God has for you. What is the mountain? Anything that stands between you and what God has for you. He says, if anyone says to the mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart and believes that what they say will happen. What happens? It will be done for them. So in reality, Jesus gets up and he speaks to the problem. And it's like the winds and the waves remember that voice from creation. That's the voice that said, let there be light. That's the voice and the Bible says that the storm became peaceful. And here's one of the ways that we use our faith, my church family, 
is speaking to the mountain, speaking and confessing, speaking to that sickness and saying, you know what? Sickness, in Jesus' name, I am healed. What are you doing? You're using your faith. Why? Because that's what Jesus said to do. And when you speak his promises, there's power in that. And just as Jesus spoke, you are to speak. What am I supposed to speak, Phil? Speak the promises of God over your life. Exercise your faith in Jesus' name. Would you stand this morning? And let's give God a great hand clap for his word. Amen. If these messages have blessed you, we'd love for you to consider helping us take these messages to the world by giving a financial contribution. And you can do that at passionlifechurch.com. Click on the giving button and select the giving option that works best for you. Again, thanks for listening. If you're ever in the Marietta, California area, come join us. We'd love to see you. We'll make you feel right at home. Thanks again and God bless.